0: You, you watch a score like like The Matrix or something, and uh, that, I think, is one of the most like married-to-picture scores where you, you watch that movie and the music, you, you hear it, and you're like, of course it is, of course it sounds like that. It couldn't possibly sound any other way. It's just, it's just perfect kind of thing. And so that's, that's that ideal that you're always chasing, is to try to get something that sounds so correct to the project that it feels as though it couldn't have been any other way.
1: It's your host, Senya. Welcome back to Chasing Artists, where we get to chat with artists and creatives from all walks of life, hearing their journeys of what got them where they are today. But before we dive into today's episode, just a quick reminder to please subscribe to the show. Whether you are listening on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, press that subscribe button so you can stay up to date on episodes. I'm so excited for you to be joining me wherever you are listening. Thank you so much for tuning in every single week to Chasing Artists. Today, we're chatting with Sean Chasen about his journey composing for film, TV, and video games. Hi, Sean. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Hi. Thanks for having me.
1: So I like to start with just how my guests and I met or knew each other. And um, this is the first time that we are meeting my audio editor nate bridges did like a facebook post calling for guests and i'm just curious what made you want to come on the show
0: uh well i saw nate's post on facebook and then uh went to your site and checked out your podcast and listened to actually the the episode with nate on it um and i just kind of loved the conversation how how candid he was talking about the journey everything like that and just figured um it would be a, a cool conversation to have
1: yeah, totally. I, I love that you reached out. I'm so excited to hear all about composing. So Sean, what drew you to music and and when did you decide to focus on composing?
0: Uh well I'd always been into music. Uh my, my dad played guitar and so I grew up just surrounded by guitars and stuff like that. And he taught me you know, the basic campfire chords when I was growing up. And it wasn't really till till late high school that I got more into it. I went to a, a school of the performing arts where I, you know, for the first time had actual composition classes and was beginning to, to think of music uh, in a more formal structured way. Um, and then ended up not pursuing it right away in, in undergrad, going to University of Toronto for computer science. And then uh, I met a bunch of people in the, the music department at uh, U of T And ended up hanging out with them and they they told me about Berkeley. And then I ended up doing this, this summer semester, 12 week thing at Berkeley and was like, you know what, this is, this is what I'm going to do. So I I ended up applying and and going for, for real after that and just kind of never looked back.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So you're from Canada, right? Yeah. Yeah. What was, what was your experience at Berkeley? Like.
0: I mean, I I had an absolute blast. Uh, Berkeley is is really one of those schools where you, you get out of it kind of exactly what you put in and and no more. Um, so I just you know threw myself into it, and I honestly I would say I learned as much from just playing with other people as as I did from from school itself. You know, you're you're just surrounded by so many absolutely mind-boggling musicians right you get there and you're like well i play guitar and then you you see some guy and you're like no i don't i don't that guy plays guitar (laughs) (laughs) and it's it's just a really really special place where kind of the only time in your life where you're surrounded 24 7 by musicians of that caliber
1: did you find i didn't ask this in the script so i apologize but i'm really curious did you find that like because you're surrounded by so many different types of musicians that like your focus would maybe drift a little bit and then but you would always kind of like have to bring it back to like no my path is composing
0: right yeah no absolutely I mean you 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 hear guys who are doing something that you you never even thought about and like the first time I heard an oud player was at Berkeley and I had never even you know seen an oud never mind you know heard it and um you're kind of like, well, this is so cool. I want to try, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're you're hanging out with all these amazing jazz players and amazing rock players and all these amazing electronic producers. And it, it's really, uh, it's really easy to just learn so much about so many different things that you, you, you do absolutely have to kind of rein yourself in that there is only so much time in the day and you, you, it's great to learn about everything, but you must focus kind of thing.
1: Yeah. What's an oud? I've never heard of that.
0: An oud is a, uh, kind of a precursor to the lute uh which is kind of a precursor to a guitar it's like a pear shaped fretless uh guitar type instrument um common in in turkey and in the middle east and stuff and it's just a really really beautiful sound
1: that's cool i'm gonna have to look up that now
0: (laughs) yeah i know that they're great
1: so then you went to grad school at usc right
0: yeah, so after after Berkeley the plan was to move to LA and it was I had heard about the the USC program but it's super competitive there's only 20 people in the program accepted at a time kind of thing. And so I figured I'd you know what the hell I'll I'll apply if I get in great I'll move to LA and that'll be my my first year in LA and if I don't get in I'll I'll still move to LA kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I ended up getting in and it was just a phenomenal first year there where you just meet so many people you know i'm still close with so many people from that program um and it's it's just a was a great introduction to the city kind of thing
1: yeah yeah smaller programs like that are really like how tight-knit they can get is really really nice right was that a contrast from berkeley
0: was it a what sir
1: A, a contrast like was berkeley a much bigger program
0: uh berkeley yeah berkeley film scoring was way way bigger um the caliber was way higher at, at USC just because it was so narrowed down. Um, that at Berkeley, there's lots of people at your level. There's some people who are you know running circles around everybody who are phenomenal. But there were a lot of people who were in the program who were kind of scraping by. Um, and USC, everybody was just so outrageously talented, first of all, but just driven and skilled and so hungry for it, right? So it was, it was a pretty special program.
1: Yeah. To you, what are some of the benefits of studying and then what are some of the challenges?
0: Uh, Well, music is such an old thing. And so humans, you know, we we figured so much stuff out already. And I think it's really easy to get trapped when you're self-taught into like, stumbling around learning stuff and kind of you come across a thing you're like oh this is really interesting did i discover this kind of thing and oh and then you you look more into it and you're like oh no that's a thing that's a thing (laughs) and um those special moments can be so few and far between i mean i remember when i was little just noodling on guitar and coming across discoveries and and then when you finally start taking lessons you improve at such a faster rate because you have somebody guiding you right And you have somebody saying like these are these things that we've known and understood about how music can work and how you know this will sound if you do this how this will sound if you do that and you're just learning them at such a quick rate that you improve uh so quickly and yeah so i, I wouldn't i wouldn't underestimate the power of a formal education at all
1: yeah how did your work experience differ while in school versus like the real world.
0: Yeah, that, that's a that's a good question. Uh, Berkeley um, tries as hard as it can to try to. I think in in their own copy, they say they try to mirror the professional world, and that's true in a sense. Um, but I think if you were to just go through those programs and just do the school work, and that's it, I think you might get a rude awakening when you get out in the real world, and you're you're getting all these projects and you're, you're hitting deadlines and, you know, at, at school, you, you, you don't do a project and then that'll say, whoa, you didn't do that. Do, do it please. You know, but in, in the real world, you get not only fired, but then also everybody on that project will move on to their next project, knowing talking about you being a guy who didn't deliver or something like that. And so the consequences are so real in the real world for not delivering on time or not delivering up to quality. And you kind of can't have an off project. Um, but while, while I was at Berkeley and at USC, you know, you're trying to do as many student films as possible and student games as possible. Um, and so ideally the school work itself becomes a small part of the total work you're doing. I think if you're handling those programs correctly, you should be working on tons of stuff. So when I was at Berkeley, I had my first, you know, real TV show that was airing and, um, the the director actually had won two Oscars for for best documentary and um, just trying to grind out as many projects as you possibly can uh, so that when you finally get out into the real world you're you're ready you know you you know you're not going to drop the ball and you're not going to screw over somebody's project by not delivering on time or not delivering up to spec.
1: Yeah, that sounds like really good to learn and and be doing while you're in school. Did you have like? mentors and and people faculty or or whatever like guiding you with that too, or was that a lot of like you figuring it out
0: uh, It's a lot of you figuring out and a lot of trial and error um, I, re- I remember an early project when I was still in school, and they were asking me like what my rate was, what I would charge, and I threw out some number I thought was reasonable, and immediately they were like, "Oh yeah, that's fine, cool, cool cool and uh, you're like, damn it. I could have probably asked for so much more, you know, and <laughs> you just don't know what the, what the guidelines are. And so I, I had a, a bigger thing and they were asking me to come forward with, with some rates and stuff. And I remember going to one of my teachers and just being like, what do I do? You know? And they're like, okay, calm down. Here's, yeah. here's, well, let's talk about it. And they kind of went through all this stuff. And it was, it's just so invaluable to have people who are actually working and, you know, have been working for, for decades, tell you kind of the, the ropes and that that was really invaluable.
1: Yeah. So what's your composing process like? I'm just curious from like the seed to a finished product. Just like walk us through your process.
0: Yeah. So I mean it it all begins regardless of the type of project, whether it be a show or a movie or a video game or anything. It always begins with a discussion with with the project maker and kind of that fundamental understanding that it's their music it's not your music at the end of the day um so what what does their project need you know and then what what is their what is their budget are they going to hire a whole orchestra do they have that money or is it all going to be in the box are we going to be recording one violin you know um and then from there just watching the project with them looking at the project and trying to get into it as much as you can and at that point You're you're probably doing some demos for them. Um, Maybe they've given you some some temp score, some music that they like that's really inspired them as they were working. And they said, I I kind of imagine the project sounding like this, but but less Disney than this and a little bit more dangerous or a little bit more, you know, whatever. And so you kind of try to interpret all the interpret all those things and come up with a sound that is hopefully, you know, unique and is is tailored to their specific project. Uh, And then from there, it's once you're scoring like a specific scene, for example, I like to, to kind of over marker up my project. Um, So I work in logic and, you know, though it didn't work in any, any program, but before I write a single note of music, I want to be able to watch the scene with just a click track that has tempo changes and time signature changes and just watch it with a click track and know that the pulse is feeling correct and that I see we're hitting all the key moments and all the the places I want to shift before even a single note of music has been written. I want all those markers there that just, you know, in in vague terms, like we're going to get big here. And then here we're going to come down under her when she says this dramatic line. And then when the door opens, we'll introduce this maybe, you know, but I'm not thinking specifically music. I'm just thinking really, really broad brushstrokes kind of as, as vague as possible uh but just getting all the timing correct and then from there i I like to go through with just piano which you know obviously a score could be a, a heavy piano score but if it's even if it's not i still like to use just piano as kind of a neutral musical sound to just go through and map out harmonically what's happening um and then after then you go through with with your orchestra or with whatever sounds you're using and kind of fill that all in and then at the very end you can mute the piano scaffolding kind of thing and you're left with just this orchestra and if everything was done correctly then you shouldn't be aware of any of these tempo changes or time signature changes you should just hear it as music that flows with the picture kind of thing and shifts when it's supposed to and feels right you know you you watch a score like like the matrix or something and uh that I think is one of the most like married to picture scores where you, you watch that movie and the music you you hear it, and you're like, of course it is. Of course it sounds like that. It couldn't possibly sound any other way. It's just, it's just perfect kind of thing. And so that's, that's that ideal that you're always chasing is to try to get something that sounds so correct to the project that it feels as though it couldn't have been any other way. The music should feel inevitable kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Does it differ based on um, like a film versus a TV versus a video game?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So with with film and TV, they're they're probably the most similar in the sense that it's a linear format and you're you're scoring to picture, and you know that the viewer is going to hear it the exact same way every time. Uh, and on you know one hour, two minutes, and three seconds, and four frames, the door opens, and that will always happen on that frame, kind of thing. Um, and so you can really control that experience uh, with film and TV being different with TV. You get a lot more room to stretch your legs with themes. So I, I just finished a, a superhero comedy show. That's going to the dub soon. And I, I have, you know, it's a little over the top music. Cause it's kind of superhero. So I've got a big theme for the main character. I've got a theme for like, you know, the bad guy and uh, all these different things. And you can, it's eight episodes in the first season and you get to really stretch your legs and develop them so by episode eight you can hear like these little theme fragments from different parts coming in and out and you you really have that chance to develop all these ideas really thoroughly versus a film you can kind of you can obviously develop themes but you get maybe an hour and a half and you're in and out and that's it and at the end of that hour and a half you'll you know you'll never hear those themes again right unless there's there's a sequel rarely um but so it's a lot more brief in a film um versus video games which is an entirely different animal because it's a non-linear medium normally so the player might take 20 minutes to get out of this room and explore this area they might take an hour they might just be through it and be in and out in five minutes you know and your music has to follow that action And so it's it's really interesting when you're trying to work on that and you're trying to play through the game as many ways as possible. So you're like, what if I just rush through this area and get everything is like knowing where everything is and just get through it as fast as possible? And what if I'm meandering and I'm exploring and I'm turning over every single rock and to, you know, takes me a long time to get to these big story reveals, but the music can't get boring in that playthrough, right? And it can't just go by. And the other play, everything has to, be kind of tailored to those, those two extreme play scenarios. And so it's a lot of problem solving aspects of how do we make the music feel dynamic for the player where, you know, when, when tension is on screen, there's enemies, you know, you, you have, maybe some percussive layers that will fade in based on the number of enemies on screen or something. So that uh, even though you encountered the enemies at a different time as another player, you still got that unique, the percussion coming in here at this time. And then when you, you triggered the big puzzle thing and you get the the puzzle stinger comes in and out and it should just feel really organic, even though you're triggering things at a different rate as a different player might, if that makes sense
1: yeah definitely i super high key did not even realize that video game scoring was a thing and i like when i read that in your bio that's so cool but like what got you into it
0: yeah i mean being being a consumer of of the medium right like i grew up you know playing playing games and i remember playing uh zelda ocarina of time on the n64 and uh, got it for Christmas, and it's just this magical experience. And I remember thinking when I was playing, like this isn't this isn't a real orchestra. Eh? This is this is synth instruments, but it sounds almost real. like now. Of course, if you listen to you know Ocarina of Time from ninety six or ninety seven or something, it sounds like you know general MIDI sounds and stuff. But at the time, to my you know, uh, I don't know, it was nine or something like that. It was just a magical experience. But more importantly, because it was a uh, You know, a synth orchestra and because I was, you know, a tech savvy kid, even though I wasn't super into music, it all of a sudden seemed like a thing that was possible for me to do, if that makes sense. It, It was just this accessible thing all of a sudden that like maybe I could figure out how to do that. And just noticing how, you know, when you walked closer to this thing, then the music changed here. And when you went to the boss fight, the music got all evil. And but I could have waited an hour to go into the boss fight, but the music still followed me. Um, And I remember even at that age, not really knowing it was a field, but knowing that there was something special going on kind of thing. Um, And then just in school, I, I made a point of trying to meet as many student developers as possible who, you know, people think of networking as like, I want to meet Steven Spielberg. you're like, no, you don't. You want to meet (laughs) the guy who's at your tier who, you know, maybe in 50 years will be Steven Spielberg. Right. Right. And so you're trying to meet as many students as possible or people at your level. And, you know, I wrote terrible music for them and they made terrible games and we, we, we learned together. Right. And then eventually you're, your music is not so terrible and their games are not so terrible. And uh some of those people I'm still working with, you know, decades later. And it's just, yeah, it's 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 yeah, just kind of a gradual thing like that.
1: Yeah. I was gonna ask if it like took kind of a lot of trial and error to figure out your process and and just like to grow. And sounds like it. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And that's one of those things that I think if I could tell my younger self something, it would be I know people might think this counterintuitive or some people might think this is wrong, but focusing on quantity as opposed to focusing on quality where the, the quality will come over time. Right. Of course, it will come. But I think it will come faster if you're just sitting there, just generating as much music as possible, as opposed to painstakingly and slowly trying to make one perfect thing. Then you end up just with like one thing. And maybe you learned a lot, but you you'll learn more if you just, you know, generate content and just make stuff as quickly as possible. And you, you'll you'll learn really quickly what's working and what's not working. And you can kind of zero in on the sound that you're hoping to achieve. Um,
1: yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. That reminds me of that. Um I think it was a psychology experiment or something. And it, this definitely came up on another podcast, but it's like the, the photo exercise where half of a class is uh, tasked with taking the perfect photo, just one photo, but it has to be the perfect photo. And then the other half is tasked with taking just as many photos as possible. And those were the photos that actually came out better.
0: Right. Yeah. I've, I've heard that story. Um, that, yeah, that's a great story. And it's, it's, it's perfect for this kind of thing. It's, it's true. I mean, you of course you're going to stumble across a better photo if you've taken 50 and someone's only taken one and just the, the pressure you put on yourself that you can only take one and it has to be perfect. And you end up just this anxiety ridden person who hasn't generated anything. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a great story.
1: Yeah. So when is a composer brought on to a project?
0: Um, pretty early, hopefully um so I, I like to come on when there's a script written and they haven't even shot yet and uh, i like to read the script and get ideas and uh, like discussing with the developers or with the directors when nothing has been filmed yet i like to discuss what they're thinking what kind of a, a thing they had in mind uh but often you're, you're brought on really as the last piece and so um you work on projects where they're like, can you do the music in, in three weeks? And you're like, cool. When's it come out? And like, comes out in three weeks. And you're like, <laughs> all right, <laughs> fair enough. And like, they've been working on this for a year. And so sometimes it can be really challenging to kind of present them with new ideas especially if they've been working on a film that has temporary music that they've just been editing to of existing scores and they've been sitting with this for six months and then all of a sudden you come along and you're like well what about this and they're like no it sounds different than what we're used to <laughs> the thing and so that there can be some resistance there because you're the last puzzle piece and you're this one external creative force that's coming into the project and so that that can be a whole balancing act getting people to trust you and. Convincing them that what you're doing maybe isn't actually so bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. What would you say your role or like the role of a composer is?
0: To support the project, mm. to support the story, you know, and to to be a vehicle for the director realizing their music, and, and you know, coming back to that thing I was saying before, where the fundamental understanding that it's not your music, it's their music, and you're just kind of making it for them.
1: Yeah. Have you had projects where you have more um like creative freedom?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. and that's that's one of the great things about working on indie projects or smaller projects is that a lot of the time they if they've never worked with a composer or maybe it's their first project and they've never really thought about music, and so you get this Atmosphere of well, what do you think? What, what what should we do? You know, and you you throw out ideas, and they're like, "Cool, let's." I don't know, but let, let's try it. Versus, if you work on some bigger projects, like I've worked on an additional music on some larger games, and those were very much like, "Here is the reference track." that we've picked and it is for this thing we want it to be exactly 1 minute and 3 seconds long and we need it to sound like this we want guitar to come in here blah 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 and so you you're 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 very much just a craftsman at that point um but on some of the the bigger things i've worked on i felt like i had very little creative input at all um which is kind of interesting
1: yeah yeah what's been one of your favorite like projects to work on
0: um probably uh, a horror game i worked on in 2015 called hector uh which was you know one of the the first major projects i worked on after usc and it was just this this wonderful team it was just five of us this really indie thing and then we got picked up uh, picked up by a, a publisher. And so we had some money behind it. So I got to record a string orchestra for the score. And it was just one of those projects where everybody on the team, we just worked so well together. And it was just such a fun, basically a year of my life where I was just focused on this one thing and could really experiment. And um, yeah, you don't get many projects like that.
1: Yeah. What are some of the differences? Or actually, I should ask, do you, when you're composing, do you strictly work with... uh, live music or do you also do electronic
0: yeah it really really depends what the the need of the project is um so electronic in this context can kind of mean two different things for me where it's you know an overtly synth score electronic music um which does happen from time to time um and then often you, they want a really organic sounding you know orchestral score but there's no money for an orchestra right. so you're ending up working with samples and trying to make that sound is, as realistic as possible or more, more ideally, you're working in a a kind of a hybrid model where you're working with samples, but then you're recording maybe a couple string players that you're overdubbing a whole bunch to get a little small ensemble sound. Um, Often I work with one cello and one violin, and then each of them is playing like three different parts or something. And that together, you can get a really nice small ensemble sound that sounds really intimate and really beautiful, but you can do it kind of, without booking a studio, without booking, you know, 10 players or whatever for that small ensemble sound, you could just do it with two people remotely recording and just overdubbing.
1: Yeah. Do you like, what's your, how do you decide what instruments to be using and and what like to realize, how do you decide what goes into realizing the director's kind of vision?
0: Yeah. I mean, So it's coming back to that whole thing where music is very old and, and storytelling is very old and film is, is not as old, obviously, but it's kind of, it's established enough that we have this cultural vocabulary of what these sounds are and you can either embrace or you can subvert them to dramatic effect where like, if, if you're doing, you know, uh, a small indie drama about this really local zoomed in relationship about an individual couple in 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 high school or something and you have this huge brass ensemble it's gonna sound wrong right it'll sound too big for the story and so it's kind of like the more intimate the story maybe the more intimate the ensemble um as as kind of a, a jumping off point but then like Maybe maybe you you'd want to experiment with a bigger sound, and that might make the small relationship feel bigger. And um, similarly, if you have this really huge, over the top, you know, space opera thing, and you give it this really intimate score, that subversion of that expectation might be really effective in maybe forcing the viewer to focus in on the people and the relationship as opposed to the big space war or whatever you know. And so that kind of accepting or subverting those cultural expectations of what a movie ought to sound like you can kind of come up with all these different ways a story can be told
1: mm, yeah that's cool so what's next for you
0: um just keep keep leapfrogging kind of thing it's it's really cool to see you know when you work on a project and everybody on that project is is so driven and wants to work on more and more projects. And so you kind of follow them around hopefully, and they they take you with them to their next thing and everything is bigger than the last thing. And I've been lucky enough that that's been the case with me. Where kind of every project I work on tends to be the biggest project I've ever worked on. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'd like to kind of keep that going. Um, I have, you know, this, this superhero comedy show coming up and got another film coming up and, at the end of this year, that I'm really excited for, um, I can't say too much about it at this point, but yeah, just, uh, I just want to keep working. I want to keep working with a uh, creative people who think like me and who want to tell stories like me and, um, yeah. Or, or people who don't want to tell stories like me, who will tell it in a totally different way that I might not have thought of. And maybe that would be just an amazing thing to, to see from that new perspective. And I just want to keep working with, with, with great people who are driven, you know,
1: yeah. Oh, absolutely. Do you find that sometimes composing could be like a lonely process?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of like that. I'm kind of a hermit. Um. And so me too. You know, <laughs> c- COVID happened and everyone's like, Oh no, we have to work from home. And you're like, yeah, nothing. Like, me and my friend group are like, nothing changed. Like we're, literally, we're, we're still, yeah, literally. Like I, I still work from my own place and nothing changed and my cat is here. And you know um, yeah, it's just, it is very lonely in, in the sense that we you have to spend so much time in a room alone, um, just working stuff out and getting things to where they need to be. Um, at the same time, though, uh, there's a huge part of this profession that is not about writing music, but it is about kind of getting your next project. And so though we're all really uh, introverted people, composers, it seems, you you do have to network and you have to do that grind where you're you're hitting up people for your next project and you're trying to find where that might be. And that involves, you know, being social and being able to talk to people effectively.
1: Yeah. Definitely. So before we jump to Final Five, is there anything that I didn't ask about that you want to share?
0: Uh, not really. Cool. I don't know.
1: So Final Five is technically speed round, but it's actually never speed round. So it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, And I I actually did ask you this already, but what's been your favorite project to work on? You can say the same one or a different one.
0: Yeah, I'd still say Hector. It was a a blast.
1: Second question. What advice do you have for composers just starting out?
0: Um, As before, quantity over quality at least at first and just just generate as much stuff as possible work on as much stuff as you can don't worry about you know you speak to some people and they're like oh well if i work on this project well, i don't know if that's really like the the kind of artistic brand that I, you're like Shh, just, stop. <laughs> just, just do it just do it you'll learn something you'll meet people you'll you'll get another credit you'll you'll learn your craft better just do everything say yes to everything and just you know show up
1: yeah. Question three. Do you have any creative rituals when sitting down to work?
0: Um, uh, I like coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, not, not really lately. I've been been trying to go for more walks and it's helping with the whole work from, you know, the, the isolation thing where you're, you're always at your own studio. And so if you get up and you eat breakfast and then you go for a walk and then come back and immediately sit down to work, it kind of feels like you just walk to work. Uh, and that that's kind of a nice thing. Uh, but no, not really. I, I like to be able to work whenever the mood strikes. So sometimes that's hitting the ground, you know, right after breakfast. And sometimes that's, you know, it's 3am and you're like, Oh, that's a cool idea. I'll just sit down and tinker with that right now. Um, Literally.
1: I was just going to ask if you have those 3am ideas because they yeah, have to be all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, fourth question. You did say this too. What's something you would tell your younger self?
0: Yeah, uh, again just do do more stuff. Don't worry about how it sounds. Just do more and just try, you know?
1: And put the judgment aside.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Just generate content.
1: Yeah. All right, last question. If you could listen to only one soundtrack or score for the rest of your life, what would it be and why?
0: Ooh. I don't like that. <laughs> um Maybe Star Wars. Mm. Um there's so much good stuff in there. And maybe I could, you know, negotiate with the genie who's making this happen that maybe I could listen to to all Star Wars instead of just <laughs> one movie. And he'd be like, all right, you can you can have that loophole. I'll, I'll do that. Um, Yeah, I guess that's what I'm going with. John Williams.
1: Cool. Oh, my God. John Williams is a genius.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for being here and chatting with us. This has been awesome.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have enjoyed your time today. Please take a minute to press that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play. And if you liked today's episode, please rate and leave a review. It would mean so much to me and it helps more listeners like you find this podcast. You can connect with our guests and myself on social media. All of our information and more is listed in the description of this episode. I'm your host, Sonya. See you next time.